Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, hello and welcome to Food for Thought. A podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, <laughs> and <Ew>. culture, <laughs> what we like to no, read, no, and no, who we no. like to read. Food for thought. We're balls deep in profanity for real. <laughs> <laughs> As if we would ever top. Come on. No. That's no, true. Yeah, we're- I am literally so in the mood to talk. Wow. Why am I wow. saying this? That just like came out of my mouth. Oh my God, I hate that. Um, That's like a new Juan Carwai movie, In the Mood to Top. No, I have, <laughs> to disclose even more information that I shouldn't be on a public platform, I'm having a issue with my taint right now. Um, oh. You know, that oh, has- not, not whole, not balls, but taint. You know, I will, I will, I will spare everyone the details, but the gist is I have an exacerbation in my butthole area that makes me feel like toppy. And I'm like, I yeah, don't want to, yeah. ha- I don't want to receive right now. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. As, um, as someone with exploded I'm... taint experience, I understand. <laughs> as a person of exploded taint experience. <laughs> yes, yes. As a person who's never had that spe- experience and never ever wants to not feel like bottoming, I am sending you my deepest thoughts and prayers for your fastest possible recovery. Lots of baths, baby. The and last thing you, we need you, is more tops. And actually, that's not a thing I should be saying. <laughs> you, lots of baths. I know you love a bath. That's like, it's like the doctor was like, prescription is lots of baths. I had a little issue last week and I had talked to Joe about it. And he was like, <laughs> showers re- and baths and cut refuse, the water, let it soak. Was it a fish, fissure, babe? Um... Yeah, I mean, very, very tiny, and it it was gone. But like, it was at the t- I saw a little spotting, and I was like, "Uh oh, gotta call Joe." <laughs> I I refuse to be the person that everyone calls when they see blood on their toilet paper, honey. <laughs> I refuse, honey. You are. You yeah. Also, you love it. Get it? I'm I'm do love I'm it. a doctor. You do love oh it. Oh my god. I'm gonna be getting so many DMs with pictures of people's spotted toilet paper. No! And like, what am I gonna do? No, do Joe, do? Oh my god, I do not wish that even for you, Joe. <laughs> it's been like it's been like that with COVID for two years. So you know what? COVID is waning. Hopefully, bring on the spotted TP, ladies. <laughs> yeah, bring I'm sure on. you're gonna, you're going to be um, very satisfied being the expert in something else besides fucking COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. It is. It's, it's it's a blessing. It's a change of pace. I love it. Guardian angel of the taint. <laughs> Would you get us out of here, please, Tommy? Hi, hey, uh, I'm Tommy Teebs, Pico, Indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and I have made it a daily practice again to visit various nurseries in Los Angeles, and mm. I have so many more plants than I should <laughs> have. Uh, do you have a count, Teebs? Do we know how many exactly? It's a, upwards of 50. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. I pray for them all, and I pray for you. I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and taint angel, as we just learned. <laughs> taint angel. 
I'm Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor, and uh, I'm a taint demon. <laughs> Your taint is on fire. What circle of hell is it in the in the dark? At phase? least the third or fourth, but but not all the way. But, but that's that's scary. You have room to fall. Further. I do. Oh my god, I do have room to fall. God. I'm done Michelle Norris. I'm a reader, writer, and former figure skater, and I'm apparently the only bitch on this podcast who refuses to call my taint a taint. Correct. Proud of you. Resist. <laughs> what do you call it? Brioche Suisse. Oh, God. Sorry. I'm sorry for that. Joe, do you have the menu uh, today? <laughs> I do. Today, our episode is all about friendship. We've done a friendship episode before, but it was many years ago, and our relationships have shifted so so much for no reason at all to start we play a little game where we fuck the holy ghost and we end as always with one small bite buck 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 peacock i'm feeling a little bit peckish it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease our uproarious appetizer segment amuse boosh and because he's the only one who's done any work on this episode joe is amusing our bushes today I can't wait to amuse your bruises. We are going to play a game that we played before, but for our friendship game, I renamed it. Instead of Mary Fuck Kill, or I don't even remember, what did we used to call Bone it? Bone Block Bench? Bone, Bone Block so, Bench. So now it's Friend Fuck Fry. It's one person. Friend Fuck Fry. One person you make a friend, one person you fuck, and one person you fry in a frying pan until they die. I would vouch for an air fryer, which I think is a better way to go. <laughs> oh, nice, I, nice crisp skin. Speaking yeah. of, I just started we watching the Chernobyl uh, miniseries, which has many people in it by episode three who look like they've been air fried. <laughs> no. uh, it is gruesome. Well, All it right. is called Chernobyl. <laughs> to start off our game, this one is specifically for Fran. Okay. Uh, friend, fuck, fry, share, Rihanna, oh. Diana Ross. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I made them really hard. Oh my god. Um I would marry Diana Ross. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm. I would Oh, I would fuck Rihanna. Oh my god, I would fry Cher. That's oh, no. so sad. But it's true like I just I don't trust Cher to 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 not ruin Cher for me. I, I just don't <laughs> think that she would deliver. And I think Diana Ross would keep me happy forever. I just I think Cher would ultimately disappoint me. Imagine I 100% agree of- with you, Fran. And also, Cher still hasn't figured out how to take off the caps lock on her phone. And so whenever I look at her tweets, I feel like she's shouting. It's you too see much. yourself reflected. Whereas I love <laughs> No, I see Joe caps. reflected. <laughs> I love tweeting in all caps. I absolutely friend Cher, fuck, fuck Rihanna. And I think Diana Ross has to go. Wow. That's anti-black. The woman who literally... In, I'm not yeah. disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. Literally the woman who invented pop music. It's fine. It's fine. Following this theme along, I have my happy Instagram edition, which are the Instagram accounts that I go to when I need to be happy. Tracy Ellis Ross, Stanley Tucci, and Barefoot Contessa. Oh, my God. Is ba- Barefoot Contessa is Ina Garten, or is that a different that's person? Right. That's right. Okay. Yes, that's that person. Who made the giant Cosmo... Mm-hmm you know, early in pandemic was like, it was like 9 a.m. and she's making a Cosmo the size of, the size of her head. If this, if this were true, yeah. like um, serotonin Instagram edition, Brightman Rock would be on this list. Any of y'all follow Brightman Rock? I, I don't know who that is. No. It's this Instagrammer who, he used to be like this 16-year-old makeup blogger 
And now he works out for like three hours a day and has the most gorgeous hair. And he's like hot as balls. Like he's so hot. Um, None of that sounds appealing to me. That I think is not that's what I go to for, for serotonin. I will let me, <laughs> on I will Instagram. T- I go to Stanley Tucci and his pocket he, squares, Fran. I won't. When I show you, you you might change your mind. But um, I guess I'd have to say, marry Stanley. No, I'm marrying Tracy Ellis Ross, and I'm fucking Stanley Tucci. Wow. Yeah. And that means I have to fry barefoot Contessa, but I guess Ina would appreciate that. I think she would enjoy her crispy <laughs> outer exterior. Sure. I mean, I think, she's going to die yeah. by doing what she loves. <laughs> Cooking. Yeah. And she'll yeah. be delicious. Yeah. She'll be by doing what she loves. <laughs> she will be a delicious new variation on bacon. I would do the exact same thing. I'm definitely marrying um, Di- uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, and, and I'm happily fucking Stanley Tucci, hopefully more than once. Yeah. Next. Sorry, up. Ina. Indica, Sativa, and Hybrid. I I would friend Indica, I Mm. would fuck Hybrid, and I would burn Sativa. (laughs) But burning it would make you high. Fry fry Sativa, rather. I am the inverse. I love Sativa and would marry a Hybrid and would do away with Indica. Oh, really? I need Indica. It's the only, like, Sativa, it's too... Sometimes it makes my anxiety worse. It really does make my anxiety worse. I mean, Sativa is the one that makes me go, should I, why am I in the world? And I'm like, no, don't go down that way. Don't go down that (laughs) way. It really does actually sometimes. You're like, existence? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Human beings? There's organs in here? What? (laughs) Yeah, you're like, get them out. Hit them all out of me right now. Yeah. Uh, next up, Jonathan Franzen. <laughs> big, you big know, fan of the pod. Already We're disappointed. Of, Jonathan Franzen, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and Jonathan Van Ness. Oh, Jonathan's. <laughs> it's the Jonathan. Interesting it's Jonathan's. Jonathan's. All right. Well, we're frying Jonathan Franzen. Um, really? We are... I think I want to fry Jonathan Van Ness more. I. N- I n- the correction okay, was no. kind of a good book. I have we're we're frying Franzen. He's just not I'm needed. Not, I refuse. Ever since he basically said he couldn't write black people because he's never he can't imagine loving a black person, I was like, I can't with you. So we're frying Jonathan Franzen. We're friending Jonathan Van Ness, and we're definitely fucking Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I love a short king. I mean, look, Jonathan Franzen absolutely said he wanted to adopt an Iraqi refugee to understand what the lived experience of that would be like what really and yet and yet jonathan van ness is immeasurably worse and we're frying him i'm frying all of them (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i I, i'm googling if jonathan taylor thomas aged well and um (laughs) and he he did not i think that he looks pretty dashing around like 25 I remember Ooh. having a crush on him as on him. I remember having a crush on him as young Simba in the Lion oh, King. Oh yeah, that young Simba um, was kind of hot. Young Simba was so hot. <laughs> old old Simba, like in between, like like I'm just out of puberty. Simba, hot behavior. <laughs> very um, very hot behavior. Hot behavior. Okay, Den, this one's for you. Okay, Michelle Kwan, Chrissy Yamaguchi, and Tara Lipinski. Wow. I think you're you, just trying I, to kill me. I think you broke Den. 
I'm Dennis for Dennis. That was, <laughs> listener, just so that you're clear, that full 10 seconds of radio silence was not manufactured. That was Den's full reaction. <laughs> I This is really, really difficult because the thing is, is that in right now, Tara Lipinski has... Okay, you know, I know what I'm going to do. All right. We are... Um, friending Christiana Gucci because we love we love her we are um or no sorry we're yeah we're fucking Christiana Gucci we're marrying Michelle Kwan because we can't get enough of her and we're chucking Tara Lipinski because I want all of her clothes oh so you fry her and keep the clothes I fry her and keep her wardrobe and her husband who's her husband dead He's this like producer guy named Todd something, and you know he's oh, yes. he's oh yes, the famous Todd is something. Yeah, like just a Todd, is, mediocre is, is white man is, with a one syllable first name, fully my is brand. He, is he of the Orange County somethings? I think I know of them. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. No, okay. he. I can't pronounce his last name. It's something very, you know, it's very long, but he's cute. Um, last up. Jenny Nguyen, Mary Cosby, Lisa Barlow. Oh. <laughs> an all demons edition. <laughs> it's really hard. We could do an hour just on this question. I um, bet Mary Cosby <laughs> fucks crazy good. Oh my God. <laughs> because the crazy ones be fucking crazy good. Mm-hmm. Mary wow. Cosby will come at you with a strap on. Oh. oh. I, I disagree. I, I think Jenny is going to give the crazy fuck. I think Jenny's the one to have sex with, unfortunately, even though she is um, a neo-Nazi, question mark. Mary would be crazy in the bed, don't you think, Fran? Mm, I think Lisa would be erratic and hard to contain. And I actually <laughs> don't see Mary Cosby as a sexual being. I think she's yeah. nice. so I think she, and she, I think she has to, to fry, I guess. I'm, I, yes, agreed. I just think Lisa, Lisa Barlow, she's so uptight in real life. She's our resident Fran. Excuse you. (laughs) I think that that means she would would go crazy when you get her in an uninhibited, you know, she's had a whiff of the tequila brand that she makes, but cannot drink. And she would just (laughs) go Wait, she makes tequila, but she can't drink it? It's unexplained. In season two, she drinks. But in season one, she's a big thing of, like, I'm Mormon, and so I don't drink even though I own a tequila brand. What do you think Lisa Barlow would be like on Poppers? Because I feel like that would loosen her up a little bit, right? It would. I think Poppers would be good for her. I feel like she she wouldn't have felt that much pleasure in years, if not ever. Joe O prescribes Poppers for Lisa Barlow. Yes, 100%. It'll fix everything. It Dun definitely won't. Um, I'd, I would love, love to host. I would love to host next season's uh, reunion special, like Cardi B. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, All right, well, that's it. We have no more time. Mm, it's time we got to the meat of our discussion. The thought process spoke T H O T. T H O T. Thank you. Uh, and to sling our meat this week, it's Fran. 
I refuse to sling any meat. However, I will be introducing the conversation. I thought you were feeling toppy. <laughs> I thought, yeah, oh, I was right, going to say, yeah, you want to that is a little... <laughs> Slinging the meat is required. <laughs> Listen, ladies, today's episode is about friendship. Friendship. Um, and we've done an episode, possibly two, question mark, about friendship before companionship. And between all of us, we've read amazing texts on friendship. All About Love by Bell Hooks, How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong. I mean, the list is endless. And I, I felt like I could take a page out of Joe's book and, you know, quote a thought leader, a philosopher, someone who is just leading this space in understanding the nuances of what it means to be a good friend. And so if I could just offer a reading from, <clears throat> from this, this text, um, Meredith can go fuck herself. I'm done with her because I'm not a fucking whore and I don't cheat on my husband. Her and her dumb fucking family that poses. Why don't you own a house? Oh, wait, you can't because your husband changes jobs every five minutes. Meredith is a piece of fucking shit. I had your back and I'm offended by that. Fuck you, that piece of shit garbage whore. I fucking hate her. She's a whore. She's fucked half of New York. She can go fuck herself. <laughs> wow, that, that reading, Freya. How many times Thank did you, you practice that, or did you just? Did you? That just was my arc? first take. See, my first I knew take, you mom. were you are truly Lisa Barlow on the inside. You <laughs> Shut just, up. Anyways, to pose her. a question, the last conversation we had about friendship talked about a lot of the good things about friendship, mm. but the truest friendships are defined by their tribulations, as mm. uh, demonstrated by mm. a one Lisa Barlow in this passage. <laughs> um, so, thoughts. Talk to me about a time when it didn't work out with a friend. To be wow. fair... Meredith allegedly had some shit to say about Lisa's house. Renovations. Yeah. <laughs> that was, was like, so funny. That got you the garbage whore treatment? Jesus. <laughs> I could relate. I was like, if anybody ever insulted my couch, they're a garbage whore. <laughs> I would... it's it still boggles my mind how these women completely offend each other and then go back to being friends i mean they probably are contractually obligated i mean there's call sheets they have to do things with each other but it's like an endless cycle of like slotting in other people into whatever friend group and they're volleying back and forth and it's in every single franchise yeah it is I, I mean, I, I, I know it sounds, it was like, it opened up very jokey, but I am, I do feel like the Real Houses of Salt Lake City, all housewives, but also like deal with this issue of like, yeah. of like loyalty to, um, loyalty to a degree that it starts affecting their well-being. You know what I mean? I, I have a slightly different um, take or interpretation of like the friend breakup. And this might just be because of mm. my, my personal experiences i think that if we want to talk about like friendship as being as profound as romantic partnership i think that you go into romantic partnership usually with the expectation that i have to be vulnerable i have to communicate even when i'm uncomfortable i can't just walk away um you know if i'm upset i have to tell the person Mm -hmm. and when i've had real issues in my friendships it's that those conversations haven't happened and i feel like sometimes people assume that you don't have to go into your friendships with as much intentionality and as much transparency and as much emotional labor and work um, as a romantic relationship. And that's when it's all like, you know, 
like both of these, you know, to, to bring it to, cause I don't really want to talk about the friends that I've lost um, mm-hmm. at the moment to bring it back to the Lisa Barlow, um, Meredith Marks conversation. They're clearly both holding resentments. Mm-hmm. It's a 10 year friendship. I mean, they know each other. Well, Lisa obviously knows Meredith well in the way in which she drags her in what you just read. They're both harboring resentments. You know, Meredith's upset that, or Lisa's upset at Meredith's comment about the renovation, and Lisa's upset that Meredith doesn't, you know, quote unquote, have her back. Mm-hmm. It just, they, they could just talk about it. Yeah, there's just not that groundwork of like, no matter what happens, we're going to talk about our resentments. I think friendships often let resentments build up mm-hmm. in ways that we're taught in, in romantic and sexual relationships. You have to actually just talk about that resentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to. I don't, I think, um, a lot of the the times that I have been moved to break up with a friend came from a sense of betrayal. Mm. And I don't think the things that I thought of as betrayal then, I still think of as betrayal. I remember one person in particular who, I mean, this is my early 20s, and I had a crush on this person, and my friend knew, and I was like slowly but surely working up to a point where I could let them know. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. I, I, I was so hesitant to, um, I don't know, be vulnerable and put myself out there in ways that I just, I don't even care about anymore. But it was like, I was, I was warming him up to, you know, going from a building a textual relationship and hanging out more. And I was going to get to the point where I, I, I made a move and then my friend made out with him on Valentine's day. Oh, and, and your friend knew. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 And that was so hurtful. But, like, the thing is, now that I reflect on it, it's like nobody has dibs on anybody. I don't think that, you know, it was Mm. cool. But then, like, as, as, you know, I've had at a different point a different friend hook up with somebody who I had a crush on. And I was like, bitch, I didn't make a move. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. I don't really, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be with that person. I don't really care. And you were, and that's fine. Like, so I think, I I, I, I don't know if I would necessarily full stop exit a friendship for something like that. I might want to talk about it or I might not even care because I make moves now. You know what I mean? I make money moves. Like, I don't wait for, I I just, I have more self-confidence. You know what I mean? But like at that point, that betrayal was so red hot that I just like let them know that they were not welcome in my life anymore. And I cut it off completely. And it was no, I just, I, it wasn't ghosting. I just said, you did this thing and it really hurt me. And I'm, we're not, hanging out anymore but i feel like your gut might have been leading you in the right way on that one because like it's one thing if you know it just happens like everyone's drunk they make out but i feel like some people get off on the fact that they're doing something that their friend wanted to do and that type of person you do not you know you do not need that person in your life because that's going to be a pattern of behavior and so i think having you know yeah you could be forgiving if it happens once but like i watch people have their friends sort of like walk all over them or do these repeated oh, behaviors right, right, of like right. making out or hooking up with or just undermining and it's just like we, you know you don't need that for you get enough of that from the world you don't need that from people who purportedly love yeah, you yeah or like sometimes it's the the friendship i mean i've worked so hard to have healthy transparent friendships and in a way that i just have never been able to in in romantic partnerships but you you know i I will pull, like, I'll be, I'm so giving in friendships, but, you know, you get that sense, like, 
There's that person who really only calls you to vent yep. and just like oh. talk about their problems and then like never ask you a question. And like, you're kind of like a, they're you, talking to you is them blowing off steam. And you're like, how can you say this is a friendship? But it, cause it feels so one-sided, you know? Y'all know me. I'm both very sensitive, but it also like if I'm upset, I'll have no problem saying I'm upset. This is what I'm going through or I'm excited. This is what I'm going through. I just share stuff about myself really easily um, with people I feel close to. And I had one of my to this day best friends sit sit me down in like a, a friendship like check in and be like, you don't ask specific questions about stuff that I'm going through. You don't ask me, you know, and it's not because I only want to talk about myself. It's just because. I actually don't want or need to be asked myself about what's going on in my life. I just, I, I feel like I sit down with a friend and I, it's so easy for me to share. Um, and so it just made me realize that like her friendship love languages <laughs> or whatever, she like needed me to show care mm-hmm. by asking specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to the point where I think we were about to lose what was one of my closest friendships. She finally sat me down and was like, I just need you to care for me in this way. I need you to ask me specific questions about what we talked about last time. You know, I need you to show that you you have interest. I know you do, but like, I need you. I, I'm not the person who will just sit down and start sharing. Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me because it, it made me feel like I've been letting her down mm-hmm. for a lot of years. But I really, you know, have worked on being better at her friendship love language, not mm-hmm. just mine. Mm-hmm. That's so, so tea when it comes to like friendship languages, because a lot of times we're friends with people, sometimes best friends with people without really having learned how they like to be loved or need to need to be loved. Um, And it creates this like kind of not incompatibility, but it creates an incoherency in the friendship Mm -hmm. where one friend feels really kind of like they're getting the short out of the stick for one reason and the other friend is like harboring resentment about something completely different and neither of them know because they have completely different needs. Or I was just completely unaware. I didn't know that she was upset at me about this thing because I was just like, every time we, every time we, we sit down and talk and like she would eventually open up and talk about stuff, but it was, it would drove her nuts that she had to bring up her own stuff. Whereas that doesn't drive me nuts at all, you know? And so I think, that was several years ago, but it gave me the idea that like, oh, when I'm feeling like I'm becoming friends with someone new or have a check in with a longtime friend to ask them like, hey, is, is every are you feeling like you need a different thing from me mm-hmm. um, than what I'm giving? And it's not and like the thing is, like, it might not be your first instinct, but now, you know, um, that opens up other ways of caring for other people, too. And, exactly. and not just the friend who, because like everyone loves questions specifically about themselves, you know. And oh, even, I hate it. I hate <clears throat> it. Teams, honestly, it makes me feel like I'm put on the spot. That's okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's okay. But having the friend check up and have it, because I've had a, a really, really, really good friend of mine confront me about feeling like I had b- abandoned the friendship. <clears throat> oh, but like, God. I hadn't. It's just that the past two years have been really difficult. And I'm alone, <clears throat> completely and totally. No roommates, no significant other, you know what I mean? And not a lot of friends in Los Angeles that I could be in person with. And I had started to just kind of drift away, like in, in not, not on purpose, but it was like me not being around is caring for you, you know, because, because 
I'm not trying to infect you with a deadly virus. You know, that kind of a thing. I, I didn't I didn't consciously do that, but I feel like unconsciously that's kind of the way my my subconscious dealt with the horror of the past two years because I love people. I love being around people. I'm that bitch who wants to hang out every day. I want to hang out every day. I want to go to dinner. I'm like the broad cities. You know what I mean? Like I want to hang, I want to FaceTime with my friend and then hang out at the park and then like take shits together. And like, I am a Not ride. Honey, honey, are you Not aware with, you have this all on public record now? Babe? Not with Jones. Right? I mean, not to that extreme, That's, but like, but I am. That I'm a is everything to- you just said is pretty antithetical to every, everything I've ever heard you say about people. I mean, I, I, but I'm, I'm a ride or die bitch when I want, when you're in that, yeah, okay, when you're okay. here, when you're in this level, you know what I mean? Yeah. As Angel Nafis would say, uh, I want to, I just like, if, if Lauren lived here and we were like, I would, I would be like, let's hang out every day. I, but, but like, you know, not everyone is like that. And so um, I think when in the pandemic, it's really had me evaluate my relationship to people. And I had a friend say, you know, I don't feel like you're showing up for me. I feel abandoned by you. And I was like, it wasn't. And, and, I, and she specifically, I think, um, thought I was doing it because, you know, she got married and pregnant and had a child. And that like, um, she, I think in general, she was feeling like, the person who can't hang out anymore, you know, and I'm coming from a different angle, but I saw how our conflicts got tangled up. And so it took like sitting down and talking and being like, I'm not, I don't feel this way about you because you're pregnant and because you have a child and like, you you know, you can't be fun anymore, but I understand that that's what you're going through. And I had to explain that, like, I was just siloing myself and it wasn't against her in particular, but like, I don't talk to lots of people all the time anymore. So it also like, then I was like, okay, well, if that's what it is, then let me just show up for you. You know, like I, let's have a phone date. Let's have a FaceTime. Let's cook on, let's watch Real Housewives together. You know what I mean? Let's have watch parties and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, and, and we're building our friendship back up, but it did take that moment where, you know, she had to say the, her piece so that I could prove mine. Yeah. Yeah. The precipice. You know, it's like you I, get to the friendship precipice. I'm glad that both of you are willing to like work through that because I feel like um I don't know. I think that in the case of both friendships and relationships like a lot of people kind of ditch at the like first moment mm. of resistance. And I think the strongest friendships are the ones where you learn how to work within and outside of each other's like kind of isms and needs. Like I honestly think I hate that we're talking about that. I'm talking about housewives again, but Heather Gay says something in like season one of real Housewives of Salt Lake city where she's like, I am, she was talking about Jen and like why she continues to be friends with this like horrible person. And she was like, I'm your friend when you are a fucking monster, you know, like I'm your friend through the worst of it, when you are the worst version of yourself, like, I'm there. And and I do think that that is an extremely beautiful trait to have as a friend. And I do think that is how I do friendship. I really hold space for people at their worst. Mm. But obviously, it there are still extents and boundaries to which you yes. can do that, you know? I think Heather, honestly, is a great example of someone who maybe has been doing the loyalty thing for a few years. And now, you know, you can abandon it. Like you don't have any, it's not giving you anything back now. Yeah. The volatility of that friendship and that person in particular. It's Mm -hmm. not right. It's not right. 
I mean, it's like loyalty is a great trait to have, but if you don't have boundaries around that loyalty, you put yourself in a place to be consistently harmed. Yeah. In this, in this, in a, you know, I'm just seeing so many parallels in this conversation between how we act like romantic and sexual partnership should be and then how actual friendships are. That like if we actually thought about them as holding the stakes of romantic and sexual relationships, we would be build much healthier friendships and probably romantic relationships as well, because romantic relationships wouldn't be so set apart. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be this container for like everything where you have your friends here and then your partner here. And this sort of you think about things in your partnership that you would never think about with your friends. I've been thinking a lot because in I've noticed in pandemonium times like it's not that I don't like a lot of my friends that I would see occasionally or even consistently, but who aren't my like dearest, dearest friends have like, I'm, it's not that I've lost those relationships, but I definitely have fewer people that I see and I see them more often. Like my, my friendships have sort of narrowed down to like literally five people mm. um, that, that I see in person. And those are basically all of the people that I see in person. But that has made me feel like, like, the stakes of these friendships are now like the same as the stakes of like romantic partnerships where like if I lost one of these friendships to a, a rupture in the friendship or to a death, I would be as decimated. My daily routine would be as shifted as if my partner died. Mm. And, and I don't, you know, so I'm feeling kind of vulnerable about that, actually. What do you got? I have a question about friendship and age. Mm. Because I was, you know, um, I was watching a just because it was it was on okay it was like the friends reunion and one of the originators of the show was like i i didn't watch friends i'm not into it i was just like i was I know, I'm just more things we have on public record from the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um one of the creators was like oh we wanted to do a show that was like that time in your 20s when your friends are your family and i was right. like in your twenties, but that's like, but that, but that's that's like a participation in compulsory heterosexuality. You know what I mean? Right, Where it's right. like oh, yeah. your friends are your family until you have a family. You know, yeah. and as as I've gotten older, you know, I've had friends who have had partners who, were, you know, would be like they were their boyfriends and they were partners and then they were married and then they were were having children and then it's like there was a kind of drift away and it's like yeah. oh we we aren't going to hang out every day anymore. You know, yeah. you have other priorities and I understand that and I give space for that, but it is, it, it is something, it's like, man, we're never, we're not going to be like single and have that weekend. And then that brunch on Sunday where we all talked about who we hooked up on Saturday, like that's definitely over, you know, with certain. And just like that, it's over. And just like that. <laughs> I, I refuse to speak any longer. <laughs> no more. I mean, well, I've I've been Go thinking ahead, about Dean. this a lot because, um, I mean, I have my like a lot of my like straight friendships or friends with a lot of the straight people in my life that have now that are now in the space between like a decade and a half and maybe even two and a half decades or so, um, or, or or two decades if we're talking about like like my best friend from home, Kelly, who's married and has a baby that I haven't yet met because of COVID, but. Um, and like, I, I feel the weight, like what you're talking about Teebs and what they were talking about, the creators of friends, I feel that having happened in those spaces, but then there's like my queer friendships and even those, um, and our demographics have changed a little bit in that, like when we all met, we were all single and now some of us are partnered in like very serious ways. None of the, none of them have children. I don't think plan on it. And I think that's a big part of it. 
but it's interesting because like their partners have been integrated into our group in a way that um that didn't quite happen in the same way with my straight friendships and there is more urgency to see each other all the time and part of that is just that there may be my core group of friends but it's interesting because I guess my point is that I do feel like the way that my queer friendships are aging is very different Mm -hmm. than the way that my friendships with largely otherwise straight people have aged and I think a lot of that simply has to do with chosen family and um, you know, the bond that a lot of our shared queerness has for us. Um, in some cases, maybe there's a little bit when it comes to sort of shared values and how much space practicing those values takes up in our life, um, which is a vague thing, but but I think is a part of it. But it's just, they are, I don't know about if y'all feel this way, but I feel like queer friendships for me, or at least are aging differently. And they feel every bit as much my family as they did earlier you know in the friendship my my thing is i, I need my friends to be funny um or well, that's not- why we're not that close <laughs> <laughs> no you're funny joe just funny you know, looking the way you mean to be um <laughs> no i i mean i i do need my friends to be funny or not boring in some way like i all my friends are exciting or chaotic or or endlessly entertaining for completely different reasons and that, that's definitely a through line I think most of my friends, y'all included, strike a very important balance of incredibly intelligent, smart, insatiably wise talker, and also a complete and total idiot. Like, (laughs) they have to be one part, like... Like I am an intellectual and one part dumb bitch. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh God. I I I need I need dumb bitches in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But also I don't <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have any close friends who aren't artists mm. in some way, shape, or form. You know, mm. like yeah. that the the devotion to a creative endeavor. Um yeah. I wouldn't say like is necessary, but it seems that like that that's been a priority for me. I, I don't, I, cause I, I feel like there's a fundamental curiosity about everything that comes with yeah. being friends with artists. or that comes hand in hand with being an artist or, you know, an art underneath this banner, meaning of course, writing music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like this, the, the um, appeal to the central human invention of art, I think is important for me because I don't know how you live without it. Yeah, I also, Teebs, just thinking about that with you, I've seen you do this. So I've done it with you. I've seen you do it with other people. There's this quote in an Ann Carson essay that's on YouTube called, that goes, matching wits, it's the best thing in life. And when Teebs gets with his friends and is going back and forth on ideas for a book of poems, for a poem, for a movie, for a TV show, for this or that, like, I, that is the most joyful I've ever seen you. It's Mm. just, you love making ideas and dumb shit with your friends. Yeah. And like, your your home base is like at a bar with 12 people who you love all talking about the different shit you're working on or ideating new shit to work on or you know building something that like oh we can make and it is never about like it has to be a movie that's going to be made for 20 million dollars it could be like the here's the best version of a zine that we're going to print out at kinko's and distribute at gay bars in brooklyn you know what i mean and it's just 
you just I feel that energy in you when you're in that moment. And I'm so endlessly curious about people's idiosyncrasies and what they think of the world and how they interpret the sun rising every day or like what they think, you know, I I just, because I find so many of those fundamentally um, uh, pull relate to everything else. I just love seeing the, the interconnectedness of, of people and their art. And I'm constantly not like in a, not like in a grind sense, but I'm constantly working in my own head mm-hmm. through ideas mm-hmm. about things mm-hmm. I want to say or make or do. And having that ecstatic relationship with another person is just mm-hmm. the best thing in the world to me. And it's like to be polar opposite of Teebs, I have to maintain some very close friendships with people who are not artists. Mm. <laughs> like I just, I need it. I need the perspective when I'm spiraling about book stuff. For people to be like, this isn't the whole world. This mm-hmm. isn't the whole world. It's not. You know, there's a world like there's a world where people have no idea who you are and no idea what you do, and they don't fucking care. And that helps me immensely. And I think for me, especially with some of these friendships with people who you know I don't collaborate with, who I do not do art with, um, who like read and support my shit, even my partner, like you know, is not an artist, but like is so supportive of my work. Mm. It's just, it's about, you know, one of my very, very good friends who, um, who is, who is an artist, but in the music dance area, but, um, we just have been friends for 15 years and we've cared for each other through so much, through heartache, through illness, through parental disease and death, through, um, different times in our life, different educational and job experiences. We've been there for each other through all of it. We know each other so well. And like, not if I I could make a new friend now, but that friend wouldn't have known who I was in 2005. Mm -hmm. That friend wouldn't have known me in 2010 and 2012. Wouldn't have been there when I defended my doctoral dissertation. Wouldn't have been there um, when I got this job or that job. Wouldn't have been there when I had you know, just all these, the worst and the best moments of my life. You know, like one of my best friends, like after my butt exploded, helped pull gauze out of my bloody asshole because he's a nurse, you know? And like, I'm sorry, once someone does that for you, it's your friends like a for life. Yeah. It's a marriage of a sort. When you're you know, pulling bloody like, gauze out of some thoughts asshole, you are friends for life. <laughs> and, and so that, that to me is like just so deeply important, just like patterns and legacies of care. Fran is laughing at I'm, my no, faggot ass. I, no, I, I'm I'm joyous because like saying like like the giving advice that's like have friends that aren't artists is actually such great advice. <laughs> like yeah, I know. I like know. we all need friends that aren't artists. <laughs> like that's so funny. I mean, like I mean, this isn't really necessarily what I'm talking about, but there are a lot of friends out there that are just too woo woo to function. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And their artistry gets in the way of their ability to show up for literally anyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. And not to be a total bitch, um, but I'll I will keep be. Keep this in. Keep <laughs> this in. <laughs> but I will be. Um, I mean, I, I'm not one to talk. Um, I, I, I'm not one to talk about boundaries mainly because I have none. But like sometimes people use the word boundary to get out of social and relational responsibility. Oh, yes. And I think that that is huger and huger as the wellness kind of epidemic infects our generations. 
And as artists become more and more woo-woo and out of the reality that we live and breathe in. Um, so showing up is really important. And sometimes non-artists are better at that. <laughs> A you know? fucking men. Listen, in the Sex and the City universe, Samantha Jones was not an artist. She was a PR professional and she's the one who stuck her fingers up Sarah Jessica Parker to pull out her stuck diaphragm. Thank you. She was we the best all need friend. a corporate bitch. <laughs> Find right. you a Samantha Jones. Okay, I have a final question for us babies. Okay. Can you fuck your friends? I can't. I can have and will continue to do so. <laughs> I, think <it's, laughs> I think it's a great way to get to know someone. It can only enrich the friendship, right? Like nothing, no consequences from it, I'm sure. No consequences. No, no need for right. Not that I can think of, at least. It doesn't raise the stakes of either the sex or the friendship. No, it's super no. easy to keep, you know, desires for what you want from the relationship uh, consistent between the people without having to talk about it. Yeah. No, no need for differential expectations. You know, everyone just kind of knows. Yeah. By sticking the penis in the butt, you communicate what you yeah. want through expectations. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I By penetration. I didn't. So there's something about like uh, platonic intimacy that mm. stimulates me, but that destroys my horny. Wow. So mm. I'm not the bitch who's like I'm marrying my best friend. Like, no, I'm not. But, but you know that. But as I look back, though, there are people who you know, because like what you want out of somebody can shift and change. And and I have had sex yeah. with friends, and it has been okay. I have like wanted to fuck somebody, and then we did, and we became better friends. And like I would, we would totally fuck again if like I wasn't in a relationship or they weren't in a relationship. But it's not a prerequisite to our friendship to have sex with each other. That can be hard when it's like an expectation, you know. Yeah, it's and it not. Be, yeah. And like, it's, I find it. I I find them I, to be attractive, and they make me horny. And also, I care about what they do in the world. And yeah. when we're not fucking, we're still friends. Mm. It can be really hard when you're fucking a friend, and then they get into a situation where they can't anymore, like a yeah. more monogamous relationship. Yeah, because then that makes that yeah. makes hanging out kind of weird. Yeah, but I think honestly. I think our, I think our, I think queer people are becoming more and more absolved of like the shame that kind of keeps us from having sex with friends. Like I, I do, I do wish upon society an environment where we could have sex with platonic friends seamlessly and not have a ton of baggage around it as much as, you know, the reality is that yeah. right now, you know. Yeah. What about you, Dee? I am. I haven't really done it yet. I've definitely had people where we've been, we've had sex, and that, and we've become friends, and we still might have sex, and that's okay, um, and works well. But I tend to be very nervous about the baggage and how I would handle it. Like I like, I like boundaries sometimes. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm like skeptical of it, but anything is possible, and. I'm kind of always looking to kind of expand. I'm I'm always looking to break down my own walls and to have my walls broken down. Broken you know down. what I mean? So, okay, yeah. I I know the solution to this problem. Mm. I've been watching a lot of Kenji videos on Serious Eats where they do recipes and they try head by head things. Uh-huh. So, in the name of science, I will have a threesome with Alex 
producer Alex and Kenya and report back ew, about whether it changes our ew. relationship. HR, HR, I'm calling HR. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Alex is in the chat. She said help. I will do oh. it for science. For science, I will do it. Shut up, Joe. Let's go to the dessert. <laughs> I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Den knows how I feel. Ow. Oh my God. No. We're going to have to take no. that horse. We're going to have to take that horse out back and shoot it. <laughs> that, horse is going to the, that horse is going to the glue factory. Uh, oh. oh. Joe, will that, you put that horse is going to the ketamine factory? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Joe, will you put the cherry on our top this week since you were the only one who did any work on this episode? (laughs) Yeah, so I'm here in coastal North Carolina uh, and it is lovely here, sort of 70 degrees during the day and like 50 degrees at night. And it is springtime and it just reminds me of that feeling of having a nice warm day where you're super comfortable and warm, but you get to go to bed and you just open the window And it's a little chilly inside. And I feel like this reminds you both of spring when you start having nice days that are cool nights. But and so it's like the excitement of coming warm weather, but also the relief of fall where you can turn off the air conditioner, open the window and just let the breeze sort of waft over you. And that feeling of like waking up in the middle of the night and just feeling a little chilly and grabbing the blanket like just a little tighter to like cocoon yourself in with your pet or your lover or just yourself. It's just like, oh, the best feeling in the world. It's <laughs> Well, I mean, kind of in LA, it's always kind of like that. The days right. are warm exactly. and the nights are chilly. And, you know, I've been talking about it with Dr. John, like the, my problem with sleep. And he yeah. was like, the ideal conditions for sleep are it to be quiet and chilly. dark and cold. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that having that window open and, and I have like this, the, the most comfortable blanket in American history. Mm-hmm. And it's like having that all, I feel it makes me feel like I'm taking Vicodin or some shit. Cause you know, if you take Vicodin yeah. and you just like touch things on your body, you're like, Ooh, things on my body. I'd be <laughs> yes. like, oh, take yeah. Vicodin and get under a blanket and be like, this blanket is touching my whole body. I- <laughs> a freshly made hotel bed is always like that. Wait, drop the, drop the blanket cred Teebs. Yeah. Where's the blanket mm-hmm. from? I actually have no idea. Wow. You're a bad product wow. endorser. <laughs> I know. That's a really good thing. They ain't paying um, me. It, it I will say, you... being in LA, we do get to keep our window open all year round if we want to. Sorry to say it. I mean, it yeah. is, but it, that's also beautiful. But also, I think the joy of it in places that have more mm. um, cold winters and warm summers is both that it's a change. You feel the expectation in spring of warmer days, and then you feel the relief in fall of cooler nights. And Basically, it, it this just, is the weather version of suffering requires happiness and happiness correct, requires 100%. suffering. Uh-huh. And it just, it's one of those things that like, if you do happen to have someone in your bed, even if you don't like them that much, when you're just a little chilly, it just makes you want to like reach out and like wrap yourself around someone. So it's just also that like call to connection and communal warmth and uh, both self-touch and care, feeling nature inside your home with Teebs' 50-plus Okay, you spooning-ass bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, living in New York, that cool winter breeze, when you open up your window, becomes essential if 
your heating is too good. That's true. Which I'm not complaining about because it's a lot better than having non-functional heating, which I had in my first four New York City apartments. That is true. But I have to open my window almost every night for at least a little bit, even in, like, the coldest nights because my heat is so strong and powerful. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not trying to die yet in this heat. I'm not trying to get smoked out. Metaphorically, you live in Los Angeles, then you're welcome. <laughs> I, you, that's true. And you know what? Um, then they should cut my rent down by $200. <laughs> <laughs> it really should. All right, so that's it. That's our dessert tonight. It is a hopeful one of warmer spring and summer days waiting for us. Oh, my God. Having that extra hour of sunlight. Oh, mm. oh. delicious. That is Jesus. Delicious. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Our producer is the Evate Ben personified Alexandra De Palma. (laughs) Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes, or we take turns punching Joe in the face. Uh, but no, but please. No, I want to go to that. We actually might no. do that anyway. My name is Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-E-B-S, and this new radio voice of mine. Thanks. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me and pre-order my book, Virology, at www.josephosmondson.com. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco on any social media you want. And I'm Dead Michelle, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Dead Michelle. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics. Dick pics. To thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com as always. That's food, the number four, and thought spelled how? T-H-O-T. And just to note, we did get some very good dick pics in the last two weeks. So whoever sent them, thank you so much. Can you forward them to a bitch? How come I don't get to see these? Didn't I? I think I did, teams. You just don't check your email. (laughs) I don't think I got them. (laughs) No, we don't email these. Just to clarify, we don't email these out. They are not shared. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.